There we go. Welcome to the Red Shirt Seniors Podcast, a brand new podcast series. I'm Andrew Scander, known as the Scandy Sports Online. I'm joined with Dustin, Let It Fly Basketball. How are you, sir? Good, man. Good to see you as always. Let's get it. I'm excited. I, I am equally excited. Maybe a little bit more excited. I'll challenge you on that one. We're well, going to talk I about a lot of... I was more excited when I saw the intro, because that's sick. Uh, oh, yeah. The toughest intro in the league. I agree. It looks like an iMovie at the end Richard Senior's podcast thing pops up at the very end, but like we're we're low budget, the lowest budget one would say. It works. But, but dude, I am excited. We're gonna talk about a lot of basketball this year. A lot of Canadian basketball, high school basketball, NBA. And dude, we gotta go right into it because all of those things just collided in the last few days. Yeah, we had a crazy um, couple of days. Crazy couple of days because you had a guy that plays a little bit of high school ball here that uh, did well in Alabama and was drafted 12th overall and had now, like super high praise too we're talking about Josh Primo obviously so we're going to take a time out right here on the very first segment of the very first Red Shirt Seniors podcast uh, there was a Primo discussion that Dustin and I had but after really sitting down and thinking about it uh, we both agreed that this is just Josh Primo got waived. There's very serious allegations against Primo. We're going to let the Spurs handle it, let the legal departments handle it, let all the parties involved heal. It's not a productive thing to even dwell on. Um, and it's just not something we feel is, again, going to be productive in a conversation. So Primo got waived. I'm going to leave a little bit of Dustin's two cents in there at the very end of that conversation and we're gonna go right back into more positive productive conversations about canadian basketball the nba and dustin has a fantastic rust take that's going to come up very shortly so i hope you guys uh will enjoy the redshirt senior podcast moving forward this is just one of those things and in, in 40 episodes of the scanny sports podcast i never cut out any portions of conversations like this but we thought about it we both looked at it and said there was just no benefit here. The Spurs waved him, rightly so. And let's move forward with the show. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the conversation. Honestly, what I think and why I think this happens more and more is kids from like eight years old are specializing and all they live is basketball. So mm -hmm. they do middle school, whatever. They play basketball every single weekend. They go to prep school in grade nine. Then they go to another prep school in grade 10 and they transfer schools in grade 11 and grade 12 and then whatever. But people aren't learning how to be people. They're not learning how to interact. They're not learning social norms. And all they know is basketball. But among all the, the bad stuff happening, especially uh, as it pertains to Primo in that situation and Bridges and Book Night, there's been a lot of good, specifically Canadian yeah. good. Um, with just a whole number of Canadians, a lot of them being rookie, a lot of them being rookies having just killer seasons right now. Dustin, of the Canadians in the league right now, which ones have stood out to you? Or start with one. Yeah, um, I've got one guy um, that is standing out based on just like pure dominance. Um, I first saw 
Ben Mathurin. Is that my, my, am I saying it right? Benedict Matherin. Benedict Matherin. I it's saw him on the U19 Canada team um, a, year, a year ago or two years ago whenever he played with like Nana Aswu. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like a for sure standout. I saw this guy, I'm like, why have I never heard of this player before? And then I think he killed at Arizona, got drafted. You're so good at this. What? Did he get drafted sixth? It was sixth. him sixth and then Shaden seventh. Yeah. So, yeah. Ben, his numbers are he's averaging 21 points a game on 45 from the field, 43 from three, four and a half rebounds a game, two and a half assists. Like, those are crazy numbers from a rookie. Off the bench. Off the he's bench. His numbers are. Like he's got like number one categories for a rookie in like the last five or ten years or something. And he he looks to me like I and I don't want to be hyperbole, but he does remind me of DeRozan's rookie stint, rookie campaign. Yeah, but with actually a little bit more polish, like because like well, dude, he's ben, shooting forty three percent from three. Right, so he's got the jumper. He's got a little tweener. And he he has the same sort of body and ability to finish inside. Like that was Drew Rosen's game coming up. Now we know him as this mid range like God, and he can get a shot off and he's clutch and whatever. But that came over five to ten years worth of NBA For trial sure. and error. Ben has it now. Struggled in crunch. DeRozan struggled in crunch time early in his career. He struggled in crunch time. He was terrible in the playoffs. Yeah, but like, I feel like I, I feel I like think, Ben's gonna be fine. I think he's got a higher ceiling. For sure. I mean, because he's doing what DeRozan did a little bit more, and he's doing it now. Yeah, well, what are DeRozan's stats right now? Oh, no, DeRozan's better right now. Like I'd rather have Meth. I would I'd imagine. So DeRozan is averaging 26 points a game. So he's five points less. Mathurin, or whatever averages one and a half more rebounds a game and DeRozan averages two more assists. So like you can't say it's that far off. No, but I'd say DeRozan's been doing this for seasons and Ben oh, has sure. no, nine NBA sure. games. Right. But like well so we'll okay, see so right how it now, levels are out. You taking, are you taking DeRozan over Ben right now? If you had to pick a I mean, team right now. From scratch with zero from, players on my roster? Yeah. Oh you ben. have to choose one or two. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. But like, you know, like if I was the actually no, that doesn't even make sense. If I was You're the bowler, I'd rather have a yeah. output from a player who's his yeah. first year as someone who's a draft in two thousand nine. Same output right now. Let's hope that it stays that high. Let's hope that teams don't figure him out. I don't. Yeah. I don't watch the games that keenly. I don't know if there's. Can you sit on one of his hands and then now he's ineffective, no, he or can you push around? And- as soon as he starts tuning with the NBA offseason and NBA refs, sky's the limit. I mean, him and Halliburton are going to be a crazy backcourt for a long, long time. Yeah, definitely. But how how much longer until they make a play? Like, we, it might be years and years until we see him in a playoff series. We'll see. We'll see how he develops. <laughs> the pace is spiraling. Yeah. On my end, on my end, I I want to go with Shea. Um, there's a ton of different ways you could have gone with this one. There's uh, Shaden Sharp's having a great season. Highlights, nice jump shot, whatever. He's doing well. But I wanted to go with Shea because yeah. 
five games in 31 points, seven assists, five rebounds, 37% from three, which is three points higher than his uh, career average. He hasn't missed a free throw. That's going to happen now because I said it 52% from the field, all that. And it's just so frustrating <laughs> that he is a, he would be a, like a serial all-star player in a winning situation. But this ha- this season has, you know, knee tightness in February written all over it, or you know, <laughs> or insert injury. Like I know OKC has been actually winning a couple games more than expected. He is right. an All Star lock if he stays healthy. If he stays healthy, and if the team starts to win, honestly, I, I think that if someone's averaging those numbers, he's All Star. I Except, agree. what's the? How do they do it nowadays? Like, what is the all star roster? Like, like? There, there's the there's the fan vote or whatever. Yeah, OKC is three and three. Um, there's the fan vote that counts for like a percentage, but the fans don't, unless it's Zaza Pachulia, they don't really, they don't really vote non all stars. Um, but in the West, as a guard. Luca, Ja, Curry, Booker. You know, if, if Phoenix was running away with this, Chris Paul in that conversation. Um, 31 points a game. But I would say then also, Darren Fox usually has crazy stats too, right? Darren Fox, they've been saying too, even on Draymond's podcast recently, they were just like, this guy's an all star. But right. not if Shay's doing this. <laughs> I, I, five. You know what actually bothers me a lot about the NBA? Darren Fox is averaging 28, 7, and 6 on yep. better numbers, on better splits. But the NBA media has such a crazy amount of say in what happens with that little narrative that they that they float out there. I swear they created Anthony Davis to the Lakers. I just remember waking up one day and they're like, Ooh, I don't know. Anthony Davis looks unhappy. He might want to go to the Lakers. And then, like, two weeks later, he's, like, demanding a trade to the Lakers. <laughs> probably someone got tipped off. Dude, the media is ridiculous. And half of it is – well, probably more than half of it is just fake news. <laughs> right? No, it's hard not to uh, – fake news. But, no, it's true. It's There's a lot of, like – it's clickbait. It's clickbait economy. But it's also – I feel like the NBA media has a district – disproportionate amount of power as to what actually happens like they vote on the awards right like that it, yeah. that's their thing um especially mvp it's like that's actually something they openly talk about like the narrative of this player heading into the mp heading into uh heading into the heading into the mvp race right like well Giannis has already won two Jokic won two in a row just now like he's not gonna win a third like they just declared it it's like you know it's not, he's not doing it yeah. Like, no, it's you know, kind of bullshit. But but that that does that does tarnish Shea's ability to be an all star if the narrative is he's not a winner. Ever, like the OKC hasn't been good forever, and it's like, well, the team's deliberately not trying to be good. Yeah. Thanks for Vic. I don't even want them to have. I want them to have the twenty fourth pick in the draft. I don't know if we can make that happen somehow. But I just wanted to stop. You have Chet. Yeah. You you, ta- you tanked for the 7-3 guy this year or last year. 
you don't. <laughs> you don't get everyone. You, you don't get them all. And they have such crazy odds, too. I feel like they always, like, usually a team that has a top four or five pick projection, they a lot of the times they fall out of that mix and randomly the team will jump up. Like, the Raptors jumped up, I think, from seven to four or whatever. Yeah. But OKC, if, if you see them around three to five, they're getting four or six. Like, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. No, it's messed up. It's messed up. Um, speaking of tanking, there has been a lot of terrible starts in the NBA this year. Yeah. Um, which do you think has been the most egregious? I think the most, my, I'm tired of hearing people talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. So let's talk about it. The Lakers. And you know what? I'm not even like pissed at the players. Hmm. It's more pissed on, okay. You knew this didn't work. When you traded for Russell Westbrook, that was dumb. You need players like the guys you traded, uh, Kyle Kuzma. Like you need those kind of players on your roster to win when you have a LeBron James and an Anthony Davis. So now we're stuck with this kind of bullshit roster of like non-shooting that you're in a position where you're, what, a one and four, one and five now. One and, f- one and five. One and five with a LeBron James. Like, that's unheard of. So, Lakers organization, please make a trade. Get rid of someone. If uh, Palenka isn't going to do it, they need to step in and push him in a position where he someone else is going to do it. Did you see the locker room celebration yesterday? I have a meeting to send it to you. I don't think I did. No. But they 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 did the cool like they they poured the water on Darvin Ham's back oh. and we got in the locker room and they were like yeah oh, we did it they're celebrating one in five I mean there was no, a positive no, 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 no. they weren't celebrating one in five they were celebrating his first win as a head coach still shouldn't have come in game six if you're the Lakers of LeBron James and Anthony Davis but there was a I, a there was a you know u- unique silver lining there where Russell Westbrook. 18, 8, and 8 off the bench. Is that the formula? That's what everybody wants. No, no. It does not matter. If he was 20, 10, and 10 every game, he's not a winning guard. He's a guard that will come down, take a mid-range step back when you're up to with 29 seconds left on the shot clock. He's not a winner. He doesn't know how to win. He's the problem. Get rid of him. I don't care. Well, yeah, I mean, you put your foot down there. Yeah, it's <laughs> You're bullshit. You're not a wrestling. It's bullshit. I, you know what's messed I'm up? I'm a basketball I, fan. I know. I always find myself, like, I don't enjoy watching Russ play, but then I always feel like I'm always the guy that starts to vouch for him in a weird way. I'm like, uh, two years ago, I was the guy, I'm like, you know, Russ is averaging his third consecutive triple-double season. Like, yeah, he's not efficient, but, like, he's still good. He's not garbage. Now that he's not playing well. Not great. Dude, it's he's like garbage. It's, that hurts. That hurts. He you plays know, how many minutes a game when he was doing his career triple double thing? It doesn't matter because it, until until then, triple doubles are becoming more prominent, but still averaging triple double is ridiculous. I averaging still stand by that. Is unbelievable, but you cannot win with Russell Westbrook as your point guard. I want him to go to Sacramento. That's what I want. I want him to go there. I want Russ to go to Sacramento. 
That's that's what I, I need. I need because they would appreciate him there. They'll be the tenth seed. <laughs> They'll have a parade. Like Sacramento no. hasn't made the playoffs in, in how many? I don't years? Care. Then what about De'Aaron Fox? Like, Let's send. This is what needs to happen. Put publish this. Mm, Russell Westbrook it. needs to go to China, and I want to <laughs> see. I want to see Russell Westbrook has seventy points. 40 rebounds and 30 assists. I want to see that. And then he'll be happy. The whole world will be happy. I don't want to see him in the NBA. I'll publish it. That's what you want. It'll be published. Welcome to Instagram and TikTok. Say what up. But no, like, uh, you know what's what's actually genuinely frustrating about Russ? If he was to dial it down and to accept a role, which how many players have we seen now just fail to do so? Carmelo never wanted to do it. These players don't want to okay. do it. But at his best case scenario, if you can go in there and rewire his brain a little bit, he would be such a productive bench player. You cannot say after he's not at 40 million, not at 45 million or whatever. No, no. And whatever. Sure. Let's say he takes a massive pay cut and he comes into the season and he says, Okay, I'm gonna be a role player. No, so you can't just turn someone's brain from not thinking basketball to all of a sudden being like, okay, now he's a super high IQ guy. He's like Mike Beasley and Lance Stevenson. Like they just have no place in the NBA. Lance Stevenson's fun. Lance Stevenson's amazing. China. Mike Beasley can <laughs> score the shit out of it. China. Jimmer Fredette. China. Russell Westbrook. Maybe the best Chinese player of all, like in the China League of all time. And they'll still lose. Chachi played in China. Yeah, and so did Stephon Marbury. He's over like 70 points or something. China. Okay, China. We got it. Go. That's my take. That's my take. Who's your take on the most underachieving team? Uh, Oh, yeah. Quick. We can go through it quick because this team's still redeemable and none of their players should go to China anytime soon. But uh, staying in LA, the Clippers have sneakily had a bad start to the season. Like I know people are talking about the, and, and this is where I draw a line between what you said and what I said. I don't think a lot of people had these crazy high expectations for the Lakers anyways. I think it was always going to be a shooting problem. I think there was always going to be, you know, this team has a ceiling. Clippers are a lot of teams, finals picks, uh, deep playoff. Like there wasn't, the whole thing about the Clippers is they stockpiled so many wing players, Covington, Norm Powell, all these players that are desirable in the league to withstand Kawhi and PG's absences. And right now they're not, they have a losing record. They don't look great. I know that they're going to turn it around, blah, blah, blah. But how many, like you can't just use the whole regular season as practice and then expect to turn on the playoffs because that's what they did the last two, three years. And it's failed. I agree. I also like they're leaning. So I believe that season where Kawhi was in Toronto, he was mm-hmm. the best player in the NBA. He plays think. 35 minutes of defense. He plays offense. He makes shots. He's a, a winner. Mm-hmm. I think they have another guy on that roster who's not a winner with Paul George. Like, I think Paul George is a killer. Like, he could China? Be- <laughs> <laughs> in China? No, he'd be too lethal. <laughs> um, he's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But I just, again, I just don't think he's a guy that you really win with. Call me crazy. No, and the good thing about the Raptors season, they were able to withstand Kawhi's absences. I think they had a great record with him out. Weirdly, like, uh, 
John Morant does. Uh, yeah. When, when he's not playing with, with the Grizzlies. Um, but when Kawhi hasn't played for the Clippers, they just don't win. <laughs> yeah. No. They just don't get results. Yeah. And you can't hedge your bets any harder than they already have. They have every affordable 3 and D wing with size in the league on their team. Maybe they should make a trade to the Lakers. They want, and I also liked what I've seen of John Wall, at least in the very early stage of the year. I thought he was fine. John Wall, but, John Wall is a winning point guard. I think he's just been plagued with Washington, and he's plagued with what he tore his Houston. knee up in a bowling injury or something. What did he say happened? Yeah. He slipped at John, home. John Wall had the weird thing where he was injured and got an Achilles while injured. Yeah, so he's doing something he shouldn't have, right? Like, come on. No, I mean, I've, I've seen, I think hockey, there's a hockey player through his back out getting groceries one time or whatever. He was out for a long time. Was it Jason Spezza? No. I don't know. Why. I'm just thinking about that name right now. I don't know anything about hockey anymore. But, yeah, um, yeah it's just, it's going to be really, really tough for the Clippers, especially with the money being printed there for this team. Their team is, I think their team's the second, I think they're just less expensive than the Warriors. In terms of yeah. how much they invested in, and if they, they if they can't turn out a winner, it's uh, and then obviously we didn't talk about the Nets, but everybody else talks about the Nets. Yeah, I don't the Nets, this is my take on the Nets. Let's give them twenty seconds. They're down Seth Curry and Joe Harris right now. I think they've been. I think they've both played this year, but they're not right. No, I think Seth Curry is going to the G League to get healthy. Like they'll. That team will okay. be fine. What, what was your 20 seconds? Are there, I thought you were painting a scenario. No, my Are 20 you... seconds is we're worried about the Nets right now. Ben Simmons isn't doing this, isn't doing that. But wait till he has Seth Curry and Joe Harris to throw the ball to. They'll be all right. Oh, I thought you were going to say, okay, there's 20 seconds on the clock. Seth Curry's in the G League. Kevin Durant's got the ball. Who's taking it? The Katie's. I was waiting for one of those. I'm like, I was ready to get the popcorn. Maybe out. they can play against each other in the G League if Adam Silver's rules go through. Yeah, which is a neat little transition you did there for our next topic of this goofy little story that came out and that he immediately retracted. It's not a thing. No, he does not want the Lakers to play in the G League. But if this rule were to be implemented where Adam Silver suggested that maybe we should have a relegation system like they do in Premier League soccer. Uh, amazing. Where, I think it's amazing. Where the top... Can we can we play along with it? What do you think would happen if I think the two worst teams in the league right now are the Lakers and is it the... Let me get it up here. It's the Lakers it's, and Rockets. It, no, no, no. It's the Rockets and Orlando. Um, Orlando's one and six. So now you have... A team, yeah. Orlando, who spent or finally got a, I think, a generational player in Benchero. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. You're actually part of the G League now. How funny would it be if, like, the Lakeland Magic went up that year? Like, they won a championship there in the finals or whatever, and Orlando's yeah. coming down, Lakeland's coming up. Like, it, it, it's you just know what a I think ridiculous it, statement. You know what I think it is? I think he's, I, I don't think he's a good negotiator. Adam Silver, I think he's very accommodable. To, uh, is that a word? But he accommodates the players well. He yeah. he gives the league a good face, but I don't think he's a good negotiator. David Stern was a good negotiator. Like, yeah, but people didn't like dick. David Stern. People didn't like him, but he would get what he wanted at a negotiation. 
But I think Silver really wants is that midseason tournament, right? I think he really wants to incentivize teams to build something outside of the regular season that they can still market, that they can still profit off of. And I think what would be ideal for him is if he somehow implemented the G League in this tournament. Yeah, no, I just... The G League and the NBA don't need to combine. The G League and the NBA are separate leagues based off of scouts and prospects that NBA players, NBA teams might want, but probably not. It's just apples and oranges. They're owned by the same organizations. It doesn't need to be involved. I think that what you should do or what you could do is if you're having all these issues, okay, top 16, bottom 16. I think get rid of the divisions. I think if we're going to keep the soccer comparison going, the best league, it's debatable, but there's the Premier League in the UK with like Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, yeah. like the big, big teams. But then you have other leagues in other countries, which are like states equivalent of distance, right? Um, yeah. That also have good leagues. But when you're talking about basketball, it's the NBA clear cut first by thousand miles and then all the other leagues are trying to lesser. make their players play in the nba right so why doesn't the nba want to own the second best league as well right yeah, wouldn't like, you want to build wouldn't you want to incentivize the g league as to be look you play in the same continent as the best league in the world so i think they're gonna to have to do things where they incentivize oh, but that's well, what the g league is no the not really, because like you don't really, you're yeah, you're the same proximity, but you don't have the same, like for the same reason that WNBA players aren't getting paid the same as the NBA players. It's not the same level of interest, right? So they don't have the same level of interest. They can't pay the players the same as. No, I agree. But the G League is a straight farm system to the NBA. So if you dominate, you can get picked up by other teams in the NBA. That that's what they sell you, but then if you look at, and there are success stories, right? There are guys that actually mature into the NBA out of the G League, but I don't think you have a much better chance in the G League than you do playing in the first division. No, I agree. Like the NBA has all their players that they want. So so like get this, um, Adelaide Thirty Sixers, whatever the team from Australia that played the Suns. In the preseason, that they won, won, they won the game. There is this guy; he hits like eleven threes or something stupid like that, right? That he went crazy, and then uh, they have another game. They played a couple games in the NBA preseason, whatever. But just being able to play an NBA team on the calendar is like, oh, well, he just did that against Devin Booker. Chris Paul was in that game, blah 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 blah. So I think if they had some sort of system where the G League does get FaceTime with the NBA in some sort of capacity, maybe you're. You're playing your young guys if you're the NBA team against the G League guys, and you know LeBron sits out after the first half type of thing. I this think that's good. when summer league. Yeah, but LeBron's not playing in summer league. No, but you just said that the bottom guys are gonna play against their G League guys. Yeah, but it's gotta have like an official jacket on. It's gotta it's gotta look the part. Like summer league, it's widely known. I think if they. Blew it up. They had a midseason tournament where it's like, I don't know. That's Adam's job to figure out. He's had 10 years to do it. He still hasn't figured it out yet. 
Yeah, but, it's a hard. It's hard because the NBA wants to just monopolize everything. The NBA won't play big games with other leagues because it's the NBA. They want to make it the best league in the world. And the NBA does have the best 150, 200 basketball players. But we've seen this. We saw it with Caleb, a good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. um, Caleb went to Summer League and was better than a lot of the guys that the that Denver was looking at. But he doesn't fit the mold. They're not, like, marketable. They're, the other guys are marketable guys, whatever, whatever, whatever. Big-name U.S. schools they went to. And now Caleb is making a ton of money as one of the best players on a team uh, – Euro League or Euro Cup, whatever it's called, team. Mm -hmm. And there's guys in the NBA who could, they kind of suck. Yeah. In, in Denver's defense, there, the guy that they uh, were prioritizing that summer league was Bones Island, who's been really, really good yeah. this year. But there's, really. No, Bones is good. Yeah, he's really good. But no, there's other guys on that roster that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Caleb had 20 the first game or 16, and then the next game he had zero because he was told not to shoot the ball. Yeah. Um, and and that's there. There's so many elements to summer league. It's like you're not trying to be the best player on the court. You're trying to be the best candidate to play with the star that plays for that team. So in Kale's yeah, situation, no yeah. In Kale's situation, it doesn't. It didn't matter if he had forty. They had yeah. Michael Porter Jr. They have Jamal Murray. They have Jokic. We want a guy that can play with Jokic. So they'll take the guy that had eight nine points a game that was cutting all game and playing defense. Ahead of the guy that was actually hooping, right? So, yeah, it's a mess, but it was not a mess, no, equally messy, actually. I'd say, as uh, the Canadian high school scene, uh, Dustin, we're probably like, geez, I'd say like five weeks in now. It's been, it's been, it's been going on a little bit, two months, yeah, it's been two months, uh, since the OSBA has kicked off, which I kind of take as the, the official yeah. start of the year, yeah, um. You're obviously working uh, with Lincoln in some capacity, so you've gotten to see a lot of these teams. Obviously, you know a lot about Lincoln, you know a little bit about Berloke, whatever. Um, what are just some general themes that you've been taking this year? Um, I think Canadian high school basketball is in kind of a scary spot. Hmm. I think it's, it's in a scary spot based on the amount of kids that we have playing high-level prep basketball with the lack of resources to run high-level prep basketball. Hmm. And I'm talking about a ton of programs. There are, I would like to know an official count of prep schools and kids that are playing in prep schools based on kids and universities that take these kids. My biggest thing with when I was with Oakville was 100% of my guys got opportunities to play at college or university that I recruited. Right. So... If I brought you in, you had a chance to play post-secondary basketball. If I recruited you, other kids were put on the team. Some kids didn't make universities. And some kids that I recruited didn't end up taking their spots, but they all had an option. Right. I don't think that happens very often. So if you are running a prep school and you've never coached basketball, what is the value? What well, you get is, to charge these kids a ridiculous amount of money to play basketball. And it shows because they're all paying a ton of money, but mm -hmm. a lot of them don't get any better or they're playing in some weird system that doesn't translate. And then there's teams like um, Steve's team in uh, Fort Erie and yep. New Horizon. Like They play pretty good basketball based on what they got. 
and they're assist, like the kids are playing hard. They understand defensive concepts. They understand spacing and they learn sets. Like that is transferable. Like, you know, when it's a drive kick out three, you have to shoot it. We have other teams and a lot of other teams that I'm watching. It's just like, it's not high level. Mm-hmm. And then the kids are paying eight to 25000 $30,000 with no chance of playing at another level, unless they're going to pay to be a walk-on at Southern Idaho State Technical University, you know what I mean? And pay <laughs> seventy grand a year. But right. it's just not realistic, and we don't have resources with coaches. We don't have resources with funding. Like It's just all private funded. There's no governing board. There's no rules to these prep schools. There's prep schools whose director is a university coach, which is a clear viola- uh, recruiting violation, but there is no board in Canada handling it where the states that would be never be allowed we have rep circuits being played during high school time that's not allowed in the U.S. you can't play AAU games while high school is going it's it's a double end thing right because I feel like it's good to have structure it's good to have regulation but then when it gets overly regulated you get these stupid rules like I I I agree I've and you know uh, we're not going to talk about it right now, but I've been going through the NCAA uh, bylaws yeah. for a few weeks now. And dude, some of these rules, like you may not offer a player more than two drink, like more yeah. than more than a reasonable amount of refreshments during their official visit, which has to happen between Friday and Saturday between, you know, business. No, it's like, crazy. It, it, like they, they go overboard. But when you have the wild, wild West, I understand it. And, I just hope that players and parents specifically aren't getting duped into paying an absurd amount of money, not knowing that, oh, this team doesn't really have a chance of competing. And this team hasn't actually ever sent anyone D1, but they're promising my kids good enough for D1. It's, it's, uh, no, it's, it's, it's robbery. And actually, with Let It Fly, what we're doing, um, is we're trying to really build like basketball the right way, like develop the skills when they're young, that they understand how to play at the next level. And what we're also going to do and not even offer to charge or anything, but it's just like kind of break down Canadian prep scene for all these people. Cause their parents are like, Oh, my kids are going to get ready. What do we do for prep in grade nine? Like we'll offer all this advice and whatnot. And they're just like, listen, let's just, let's just ride it out in high school. If he dominates then we can make a decision. You know what I mean? Like, these are financial and, burdens that people can't afford. And if you, there, there's a lot of people that, that watch a lot of the Escani Sports Pod episodes, and they they probably exhausted by me saying this, but the best way to prepare for grade nine prep is to not play grade nine prep, in my opinion. Grade Agreed. nine, like if you're junior dominating, prep, I, see oh. I see a benefit if you pay whatever you're gonna pay for your rep club, and you get to practice every day. And you're playing if it's fifteen hundred dollars, and you're going to school for basketball. I get it, but yeah. they're not like, especially the young, the young guys that are just I know are just like slamming their mom's purses on the ground, saying, "Just give me more money so I can play basketball." Like, yeah. it's not worth it. I hate, no, I don't want to say I hate. I don't. I hate junior prep. I really, really do. Like, it's if it's affordable and they're still going to an actual high school. Fine. Do you know do, what a prep or post grad school in the U.S. actually is? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, I went and visited Jacob Theodosu over at Western Reserve. That program's insane. Yeah. It's 
it's actual college basketball mm-hmm. run out of a high school program. And postgrads are only allowed to take fifth year guys who are prepping for university. We're not throwing 14 year olds in a gym saying you're going to be the next Michael Jordan to every 15th one and then charging them 10 grand a year. It's unbelievable. Right. And that, and that again, and I think we probably should clear up. There's a lot of schools here that are doing a really good job. Like, Amazing. Like, it, and if it shows in their records, right, that the proper institutions that are, that are, you know, taking it seriously where the coaches are all happy and the players are all in school and everything. There's, would you say it's the majority of teams? I don't know, but there's a lot of teams. No, you can't. There's actually, yeah, now I think about it. No, it's definitely not. If this but is, if people are hearing only the audio, my answer is it's not the majority. Not the majority, but there is a good amount of teams that are doing it by the, the book, right way, the yeah, right way, good. properly ground up, and it's not a money grab. So, no, I agree. Um, it's not what, a money grab for those teams. Okay, it's a, they're, they're profitable. <laughs> yeah, they're profitable. Yes. But when they say, you know, we've had guys go D one or we're no, coaches here, agreed. they do that. Money, a money when you grab walk team. in one of those gyms, it's apparent. Uh, yeah, right. Like when apparent. you walk in Orangeville, you're like, hmm, shit, this is dope. Yeah, I had to drive four hours to get there. My car broke down three times in the uh, middle of Mono. Me forever but too. It, it's it's a tough place to find, especially in the winter. Don't go. <laughs> Just That's don't straight, go. The <laughs> but so yeah, but Orangeville obviously does a great job. I, I don't want to name all the teams that do a great job because then all the other ones are. But that's just teams. like in that example. You walk in the gym, you know yeah. exactly what's going on. The kids all fit the part of a college basketball player. They're six five to seven foot and they can play. Tony McIntyre looks at you right in the face and says, Have you heard of Jamal Murray, Iggy, like all these guys that have played for me? Yeah, that's what I do. And, th- and those teams are good. And um, what I should have added to the show list, what I even mean to add to the show list, um, Overtime Elite hosted Orangeville. Mm-hmm. Overtime Elite is the is that uh, league down in Georgia, and uh, it looks like I heard back from some guys, some of the OTE guys, that Orangeville did well. I don't know what the record was, I don't know, but there's some positive buzz, yeah, about Oval down in OTE. So you know what they're um. They can bang. Like Orangeville can bang. They got no, smoked from my understanding of what I just Googled right now. Then <laughs> uh, this is perfect, okay? This is what right. we said. 74-47 when they played City Reapers. Um, okay. City Reapers has Eli Ellis, um, a bunch of other guys, but Eli is one of like the well-known guys mm-hmm. from there. Orangeville, we have said two players' names on this show before that we thought were high-level players. You said Jalik Dunkley, and I said Matai Baptiste. Okay? Mm-hmm. Orangeville beats a lot of our prep schools by what, 30, 40? Handful. Like the mid-tier ones. Yeah. Okay. Two players on that team had more than six points on that game. Matai had 19, and Jalik had 16. One other player scored four points, one kid had two, and then the next kid had six points, and that was the end of their scoring. It bridges the gap. Like, there's such a huge gap. 
Hmm. I don't know. I, I, but I do think maybe last year was just a crazy, crazy year in my first year. So maybe I have the wrong expectations of Canadian prep basketball. But last year, you could throw Fort Erie in any tournament and they would hold their own. Not they would win every game, but they no, would. I agree. Crestwood was equally competitive. Elijah Fisher, Zayden Cross, uh, Romad Dean. They had players. Um, and there was probably four or five teams, including Orangeville, that you could send them to any high school competition and they'd hold their own. I don't know if that last year was the anomaly and this year's a bit of a regression. Well, that Fort Erie this... team was messed up. Yeah. Like, how many guys were D1? And then, like, the I'm just looking at the box score, and this is a perfect example of Canadian prep basketball, okay? Mm-hmm. We have all these middle school, like, middle tier mid teams mm-hmm. saying, oh, from us, you can go here, here, and here and play. The City Reapers had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players play in their game. No one played over 22 minutes, and all of them except for two players had over 10 points. Three players. I, I feel like for them, that's I don't know. I've never heard of that team until now, which is probably exposing myself. But No, it's a new league. Who knows? Yeah, but um, that's probably a rotation game for them, right? They have the Canadian team coming down. That's probably the schedule they had for like, oh, let's, let's, let's play some other guys. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I mean is like, how are we saying if we're a tier, a school that's a new prep school, come to us, it's worth it, all this stuff. But mm-hmm. Orangeville is getting killed by good teams in the U.S. And Orangeville is beating your team by 80. Like if Orangeville played against some of these mid teams, they would have a plus minus of 60 points. At least for some of these schools. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, but I I also think it's a little like Orangeville specifically have been top to mid tier in the OSBA in Pool A. Like, there's a lot of teams that they can actually like, they can go at Orangeville right now in Tier A. I have four teams out of the eight. Ten. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but it's which eight, is messed eight, up because they did just lose to Hoden or whatever. Yeah, and Hoden, Hoden can go, Royal Crown can go, USA can go, Fort Erie can go. Um, shout out Lincoln, well, you, tr- you you went. <laughs> then, exactly. <laughs> didn't go too hot. It, that didn't go too hot. And then the Group B teams, I think, would all probably suffer against uh, against Orangeville. Yeah, but, but that's just what I'm teams. saying. Like we're in a really weird spot in Canadian high school basketball. And it's being blown out of proportions. People don't know about what's actually happening. And it's unfortunate, but a lot of people are playing basketball. I'm going to throw you a curveball here just to end the pod. Uh, your Halloween prediction for uh, OSBA finals this season. And I'm only going to hold it to you as far as uh, this I have is. Two. I have two. Two no, final I, predictions? Like, no, I imagine. No, I think I have. I think it'll be United Scholastic. Mm-hmm. I think United Scholastic will struggle if they have to play Fort Erie. Charles, the team, Fort Erie Red. I think they'll struggle because they'll be coached really well at Fort Erie. 
I think they may be a little bit too young to maybe pull it out if they had to. So I think it'll be Scholastic and Crown. I would have the same matchup, but I would, just for the sake of argument, I'm going to take out, um, I'll take out Crown and I'm going to put in Jay Addison just to give them a shout out because, dude, they look strong. They look strong. They had a, they had a defeat to Orange. I think no, I think I think they they lost to USA, but they didn't have, you know, two of arguably their their top two players. Yeah, Rav was no, out, they, and they've lost out. two games. Right, and and Rav's been out for an extended period of amount of time. Who's their point guard from BC that everybody yeah. loves? And then there's uh, they lost to USA and Orangeville, and they lost to Orangeville by eleven. They lost to USA by twenty three, but yeah, but they they didn't have no. Guys. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Rav. And the big athletic kid, and there he got Santa or Santa. I get them mixed up. <laughs> I don't know. I have no. But clue. I like it. They can, but like last year, man. Last year, I feel like the top five last year. Any one of those programs would be number one this year. Yeah. Whether it's last year's USA team, last year's Orangeville team, last year's Royal Crown team, last year's Fort Erie team, and even Crestwood last year. Any one of those five, I think, would be running away with this year's league, which is no. Which is fine. It's it's fine because now there's more teams that have a shot at winning this year. But when it comes to top end talent, we were we were spoiled last year for sure. We were spoiled. Dustin, we were spoiled. Uh, how old are you, Dustin? Twenty nine years old. I'm t- I'm twenty seven years old. I'm okay. turning twenty seven. I'm twenty six. Um, yeah. But we just spent an hour talking about basketball and high school basketball, and I think. We might be getting a little too old for this shit. Hence the Red Shirt Seniors podcast. But it's never too late to Red Shirt. Dustin, where can people find you? Uh, what's the best way to work with Let It Yeah, hit me up. Instagram. Um, my personal is Dustin McTaggart. I love to answer questions or kind of debate any of this high school NBA stuff. Um, I own Let It Fly Basketball. We're really trying to build it out the right way. We got the little kid academy. They're like 12 years old playing real NBA offenses. Uh, we're in the gym every single day. If you want to train, message Let It Fly Basketball, please. And guys, I'm going to be away from uh, the scene for a little bit here, stranded in the States yet again. Um, but I'll let you know when the next time you guys can find me at. And until then, let's listen to that banger outro music one it more time, huh? It is isn't. See you guys. Thanks.